ಸಿನ್ನತಾಂಗಸಕಥ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಪುನ್ನಶ್ರವಣ ಕೀರ್ತನ ಹೃದ್ದಂತಸ್ಥಾಭದ್ರಿ ಬೀಧುನೋತಿ ಸುಹಿತ್ ಸತಾಂ ವಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ದ ಬೆನಿಫಿಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಲಿಸ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಕಥಾ ಶ್ರಿನ್ನತಾಂಗ ಸ್ವಕಥಾ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಇಟ್ ಬ್ರಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ಆಲ್ ಆಸ್ಪಿಶಿಯಸ್ನೆಸ್ ಪುನ್ನಶ್ರವಣ ಕೀರ್ತನ and riddantastha abhadrani abhadra means impurities contaminations all the contaminations of riddantastha of the heart the contaminations that are there in the heart bidhunoti becomes clean becomes cleansed so that is the advantage of listening to krishna katha another description is tava kathamritam kathamritam nectarian words of krishna and prabhupada is pointing out that this kathamritam are of two types one is katha that has been spoken by krishna bhagavad gita Uh, what krishna spoke and the other one is that has been spoken about krishna these are the two types of krishna katha one is what krishna spoke and what has been spoken about krishna and what does it do extinguishes the fire of material existence in the material nature we are constantly burning as if in a forest fire as we sing every day samsara dava nalalid loka this samsara samsara means materialistic way of life another definition of samsar is a cycle of birth and death this existence of this material nature is making us go in a cycle of birth and death we are born we live we die then again we are born we live for a while die it's going on in a cycle and that is what is that cycle of birth and death what is the sansar chakra the sansar chakra is like a davanal forest fire so we are burning in a forest fire so that is tapta jivanam burning tapta means hot burning hot so we are constantly uh, burning in this material nature but krishna katha just extinguishes that forest fire of material existence immediately it is extinguished and that song that we sing every day gudvashtakam it makes it even more elaborate and more clear 
How is that forest fire of material existence wished? Constant shower. Not of water, but of nectar. This Kathamritam is coming as a torrents of rain of shower of nectar that extinguishes the suffering condition of this material existence. So that's why this arrangement that we hear about Krishna, speak about Krishna, uh, and it benefits everyone. It benefits the speaker, it benefits the listener. And how does it benefit? Actually, if we go even deeper, then we will see what this absorption of Krishna consciousness does. Krishna consciousness. Our consciousness now, because of our conditioning, is trapped in this illusory energy of the Lord. And here we are trying to enjoy through sense gratification. <clears throat> Everyone tends to enjoy or try to enjoy in this material nature. That's the nature of this material nature. And it has also been explained huh, why? Because the natural tendency of the superior to exploit the inferior. We, the jivatmas, the spirit souls, are superior in nature and the material nature is inferior. Therefore we have a natural tendency to enjoy or exploit this material nature. Everyone has that tendency. Exploit. The world of exploitation. That is what the material nature is. Prakritisthani Karshakti. Uh, he is trying to cultivate this land, Prakriti, for the sake of sense gratification. We can't deny that, that we all had the tendency to enjoy, to try to enjoy. And not only we are trying to enjoy, we are actually mad. We are madly running after enjoyment. I mean, <clears throat> in a way we feel embarrassed when we think back how we are actually trying to enjoy. It's really embarrasses us that shamelessly we are trying to do so many things just for the sake of sense gratification. But then we come to Krishna consciousness and then we become aware of the reality. We are not actually meant for enjoyment here. We are not supposed to enjoy. We are supposed to provide for Krishna's enjoyment. And that is a real way to enjoy. You provide for Krishna's enjoyment, uh, just like uh, a king is throwing a party uh, and if people are providing uh, to uh, for the party of the king and then they attend the party and enjoy. 
with the king. So that's what Krishna consciousness is, the real way to enjoy. Like he has all the means to throw the most grand and gorgeous party. And we take part in that party and we enjoy. <laughs> nice food, <laughs> nice atmosphere, nice association. And that's what Krishna consciousness is providing us. Everything is so wonderful. Like the devotee prasad is so amazing. Do you agree with me? <laughs> I mean, I notice that devotees cooking and sometimes some non-devotees invite us, you know, like, and I see that that food is nothing compared to, although they are the richest people, uh, have the best chef and things, vegetarian of course, uh, and, uh, but nothing compared to, uh, our devotees cooking. It's not the devotees cooking, is the taste of Krishna Prashad. The devotees cook with a certain uh, spirit, certain consciousness, certain attitude. Then they offer to Krishna with all the love, and then it comes back to us. And what is what can be more relishable than food? Uh, the most uh, wonderful aspect of enjoyment is actually food. And in Krishna consciousness, it is of the highest quality and in an endless abundance. <laughs> Devotees don't suffer from, people in this world are suffering from uh, malnutrition, starvation and so forth. But in the world of devotees, there is no scarcity, there is abundance. Uh, devotees don't suffer from malnutrition, devotees suffer from overeating. <laughs> And so that is the, uh, as Krishna himself uh, says, Krishna bara dayamai kori bara This material body is a network of uh, nervous system. Uh, network of a nervous system which is culminating into the senses. Sharir hmm. abhidhajal a network of ignorance uh, and jarindriyatai uh, kal the senses are uh, the most uh, formidable kal most formidable uh, trap but in order to overcome that koriva like and out of all the senses, which one is most uh, 
most what we sh what should i say which one is most prominent of all the senses tongue tar moddhe jivavati lobhomoy sudurmati and take jeta kothino samshare it's very difficult to conquer the tongue <coughs> and if the tongue is controlled then everything will be controlled but how to control the tongue krishna varadayamai koribare jivajay saprasadanna dilobhai krishna has given his prasad and that is the best way to to overcome the tongue and we have uh, along with prasad we have another aspect of controlling the tongue chanting the holy name of the lord these are the two functions of the tongue tongue wants to speak and tongue wants to relish food and for that we have two most powerful antidotes krishna prasad and the holy name so krishna made these wonderful arrangements and out of that we can see that like our main entanglement in this material nature is not the gross body but the subtle body gross body at some point will lose its lose its ability like the gross body wants to be active the gross body wants to enjoy but the gross body eventually becomes old and uh, infirm and then the body cannot really function properly this gross body naturally it loses its ability to enjoy but the mind the subtle body continues the gross body may be old and dilapidated but the subtle body still wants to enjoy in our mind uh, all these uh, all these contemplations are crowding the mind mm. attraction for material enjoyment therefore the way to overcome that is by <clears throat> this process of remembering krishna contemplating on krishna's activities that's the way to occupy the mind when the mind is occupied with matter then the mind will dwell in matter but through this process of krishna katha the mind is trained to dwell in krishna man mana bhava therefore krishna has given that instruction man mana bhava with your mind you just think of me and then what will happen when we constantly think of krishna with the mind then krishna gives us the spiritual intelligence buddhi yoga mm 
And in this way, by becoming engaged in serving Krishna, our subtle body becomes transformed. Subtle body doesn't die. The subtle body can only be transformed to spiritual identity. At the time of death, we leave the gross body. At the time of death, we leave the gross body, but the subtle body will remain. And the subtle body will carry us to the next destination. Are you all aware of it? This is a very important thing to understand. What will happen at the time of death? At the time of death, we will leave the gross body. But the subtle body will remain. The subtle body will carry the soul to the next destination. Next destination means according to the shape of the subtle body, we'll get a gross body. All our karmic reactions are there stored in the subtle body. All these karmic reactions not only are stored in the subtle body, they shape the subtle body. <coughs> Just as sometimes we say, that that man is an angel. That man is like an angel. Why do we call somebody an angel? Because his activities are like that of an angel. And his activities like that of an angel gives his subtle body the shape of an angelic subtle body. And sometimes we say, oh, that man is a pig. And because his actions are like that of a pig, and his subtle body takes the shape of a pig. So the subtle body has taken the shape of a pig. So after he leaves the present gross body, then what happens? According to the shape of the subtle body, he is placed in the womb, of a mother, an appropriate mother. The subtle body uh, is placed in the, say, the person who lived the life of an angel, his subtle body has taken the shape of an angel and he placed in an angelic womb. And one who has acted like a pig, he is placed in the womb of a pig. And then according to a subtle body, he gets a gross body. So this is how precise the actions of material nature is, mother nature. That is why it is so important to obsess our minds, constantly occupy our minds with the thoughts of Krishna with our spiritual thoughts. And that way, it is very important to notice how the dreams are. 
what are the dreams? Did you ever consider what are the dreams? We have two bodies. How many of you know that we, we have two bodies? How many of you don't know? Okay. Many hands didn't go up, but they're lazy to lift it. When I ask how many uh, don't know. How many of you want to know? Okay, I'm inspired. <laughs> we have two bodies, two gross, bo two material bodies. One is a gross body made of five gross elements. What are the five gross elements? Earth, water, fire, air, ether. With these five elements, we have a gross body, this body, your bodies. And there are three subtle elements, mind, intelligence and false ego. And with these three elements, we have another body. With a bo we have another body made of mind, intelligence and false ego. And when we are awake, then the gross body is active and the subtle body is active. Both these bodies are active. Isn't it? Do you not, don't you notice? Now, physically you are active and mentally you are active. In your mind you can think, with your intelligence you can decide and so forth. And what to speak of your false ego? So, <clears throat> these subtle and gross, both the bodies are active when you are awake. When you fall asleep and dream, then your gross body is inactive. But when you are dreaming, your subtle body is active. And then there is a state of dreamless sleep. That is the state when both the gross and subtle bodies are inactive. Both are asleep. Now dream is conducted in the platform of subtle body. So the way you dream accordingly, uh, you can f determine the shape or state of your subtle body. Uh, if the subtle body is spiritually obsessed, then you'll have spiritual dreams. If the subtle body is materially obsessed, you'll have material dreams. You'll dream of all kinds of sense enjoyment and so forth. Or you can have nightmares like Kamsa was having. Kamsa was sleeping, but in his sleep, the whole night, what did he see? Uh, he was seeing all kinds of incredible, horrible things. Uh, he was seeing ghosts. He himself is a demon and still he was seeing the demons. <laughs> and not only that, he saw, uh, he was walking around without his head. Uh, so these are all the state of his subtle body. 
therefore it is so important to obsess our mind with the subtle with the krishna conscious thoughts manmana bhava think of krishna so uh, fill your mind fill your memory uh, with all the thoughts in relation to krishna consciousness then in your dream also you will think you will see krishna or krishna conscious activities and in this way when the subtle body becomes spiritualized then one becomes a pure spirit soul or a pure devotee and then very easily he can go back to godhead after one leaves his body <clears throat> so this is why it's so important that we remember krishna is this seminar helping you to remember krishna huh? we like to think about things that are pleasing that are exciting we like to see movies why they're exciting now krishna's activities are more exciting than millions of so called uh, movies people are so fascinated by uh, different types of movies but you think of it or drama uh, like what is you know movies are actually depicting drama theaters are depicting dramas what are the important features of the drama uh, the drama has a hero and hero is a good guy uh, and he is endowed with all good qualities uh, and then there's a, a drama has a vi- villain and the villain and the hero conflicts right and more the conflict better the drama uh, that is one of the characteristics of drama a good drama means there must be conflict if there is no conflict then it's no drama it's a documentary <laughs> so but when you see krishna Uh, the in a drama the three factors must be there hero heroine villain right now in krishna's past times we have these three features in the most perfect way krishna is the hero krishna's uh, queens or krishna's uh, girlfriends are the heroines <laughs> and Uh, there is a villain and they are demons uh, and then what happens there is conflict uh, and there is lots of uh, struggles and strives uh, but then ultimately what happens in krishna's past times there may be a lot of strife in between but at the end krishna wins or ramchandra wins 
Like the heroine goes through so many difficulties, but eventually Krishna wins. You know, in Sanskrit drama, there is one uh, universally accepted feature that a drama never end in a tragedy. Sanskrit drama never ends in a tragedy. Whereas on the other hand, you can see Greek drama the Greek famous is as Greek tragedy. Greek dramas are always ending in tragedy. And their whole life is tragedy. See how Jesus Christ end up in a tragedy. But in Sanskrit drama there won't be any tragedy. It won't, it, there may be struggle, there may be tragic scenes, situations, like the Pandavas were in exile, Ramchandra went to the forest. Uh, there is this aspect is there, but the end always is uh, in uh, union or in victory. Like that's the difference between West and Vedic culture. Like, uh, like as I was saying, the it always ends in tragedy. You know how Sanskrit drama, how in reality Jesus Christ's life would end? Huh? Not in crucifixion. Jesus Christ's life would end in resurrection. But they can't, they can't understand that, the importance of resurrection. The real glory of God the Father is in resurrection of Jesus Christ, not crucifixion. And that's where Christianity became demented. Uh, because they didn't get the real understanding. I remember once I was <clears throat> talking to some, one of our congregation devotees. And his son, he was only 10 years old at that time. So, he just, we are dis discussing about Christianity and the flaws in Christianity. And this 10 year old boy, uh, he just pointed out that my father would save me if I am, if I am in difficulty. Then why didn't God the Father save Jesus Christ? I mean, I was quite shocked to see it. I mean, I was quite thrilled to hear that. Even a 10 year old boy could figure out that if Jesus is the son of God the Father, then why didn't God the Father save him? And that's the thing, in reality he saved him. Uh, the glory of God the Father is not in crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The glory of God the Father is in resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus resurrected. And the story would continue after that. Uh, Jesus would say, I had enough of this place. I'll be happy to get the hell out of here. <laughs> and Jesus leaves huh, Jerusalem and goes to India <laughs> to associate with the sadhus there, <laughs> to his like-minded uh, sort.
So that is how, another thing that reminds me, <laughs> like you see how this, uh, it's so ingrained in Indian culture or Indian, like as I said, like <clears throat> Sanskrit drama would never end in a tragedy. <clears throat> there is a famous drama, dramatist in Germany called, his name was Bertolt Brecht. And uh, Bertolt Brecht has a drama, very famous drama called Three Penny Opera. Uh, Three Penny Opera. Anyone aware of that? Uh, Three Penny Opera, Opera of Bertolt Brecht. Okay, the end of the thing is the good guy gets hanged and the drama ends there. Now there is a depiction of a, a staging of Bengali version, the Bengali staging of Three Penny Opera. And you know how that ended? That person is crucified, and uh, not crucified, hanged, uh, and <clears throat> in a way the drama ends there. But then the director comes up says that our drama didn't end here. And then <laughs> Lord Shiva comes in. <laughs> and he, he looks at uh, that person who had been hanged and he blesses, come back to life. <laughs> and he blesses him. Because this person, and the po point was, that this person was very honest, very good. And as a result, it ends up him being uh, hanged. So Lord Shiva then blesses him, <clears throat> that he'll become the biggest crook. You will run your own mafiosa. You will have your own gang. You will become very rich. You will become a politician. You'll get, and this is the blessings of Lord Shiva. <laughs> so, so that is how that drama actually, the Bengali version of Three Penny Opera, the Bengali title of that thing was Tin Paisha Pala. Uh, tin means three, Paisha means uh, Paise. And Pala means a drama, uh, three penny opera. <clears throat> so the point is that the Vedic culture always teach, is teaching us to become, uh, to become Krishna conscious. And through Krishna conscious, everything ends in a most perfect way, in a most happy way. Mm. Like we can see, like all the pastimes of the Lord, He goes through so many difficulties, but at the end, He is victorious. Okay, so, <clears throat> so let's go back to Krishna's pastimes. And <clears throat> Krishna, uh, went to Hastinapur to meet them and that's the time he went and met the Pandavas and there was a person there were a person there was a person called Shatadhanya 
and Satadhanya, uh, so King Satrajit actually promised to Satadhanya that he would offer Satabhama in marriage to Satadhanya. And but what did Satrajit do? Uh, he offered Satabhama to Krishna. So Satadhanya became very upset. So when Krishna left for Hastinapur, he was not there in Dwarka. Satadhanya approached Akrura and Kritabarma and said, Look, this is what Sat Satrajit has done. Like he promised that he would offer his daughter to me and he totally disregarded that promise and offered his daughter to Krishna. I'm going to kill Satrajit and take revenge and free him from his sinful act. So Akura said, look, <clears throat> you may try to kill Satrajit now, Satabhama's father. You may try to you may kill him now and thinking that now Krishna is not here. But eventually when Krishna comes back and he finds out, then he's going to kill you. So Satadhana said, no, if you and Kritavarma are in my side, then I don't worry about that. Uh, Krishna won't be able to do anything to me. So in this way, although Akrura advised him uh, not to do that, but <coughs> Satadhana uh, went ahead. One night when Satrajit was asleep, he went to kill Satrajit. Satabhama was there. Satabhama came and tried to stop him, but she couldn't. He uh, severed his head from his body and took the Samantaka jewel and left. And then Satabhama, completely devastated, she just went to Hastinapur and told Krishna what happened. Krishna became furious and he immediately came. So when they heard that Krishna is coming, <coughs> then Satadhana ran away. He went to Mithila. And while going, he gave the Samantak jewel to Akrura to keep. And Kritavarma also ran away. And Akrura, uh, he thought, now if Krishna comes and finds that the Samantaka jewel is with me, then he is going to come and kill me. So he also ran away. He went to Kashi. So... <clears throat> When Krishna came back, he found out that uh, that uh, Satadhana killed his father-in-law, and so he gave him a chase. And Satadhana's chariot, the horses, became so exhausted that they couldn't go anymore. So they collapsed. Satadhana uh, 
then came out, jumped out of the chariot. So when he jumped out of the chariot, Krishna also jumped out of the chariot, his chariot, and <clears throat> chased him, ran after him. They caught him and Krishna killed him, severed his head with his sword. So this is how <coughs> Samantaka, but then Krishna couldn't find Samantaka jewel with him. But Satyabhama said, I saw him taking the jewel. It must be somewhere. So <coughs> then uh, Krishna started to wonder where the jewel is. Satyabhama also blamed Krishna that you probably took the jewel and gave it to Rukmini. <laughs> there is some transcendental life rivalry between Satyabhama and Rukmini. Anyway, Krishna was quiet. He didn't say anything. He, was very, he became very grave. And now something happened. Krishna's minister told him that <clears throat> long time ago, in the province of... Okay, in the meantime, what actually happened, there was a terrible drought. There was no rain. And all the water bodies became dry. So Dwarka was in a very difficult situation, difficult state. And Krishna started to wonder why it's... why there is such a drought. And then his old minister told him that once upon a time there was a drought in the province of Benares. And the king of ben Kashi, king of Benares, performed many, many sacrifices and performed great, great spiritual activities, but still there was no rain. But then his minister told him <clears throat> that in the Jadu family, in the Jadu dynasty, there is one very pious person. His name is Shafalka. And you can bring Shafalka and due to his presence there may be rain. So Kashiraj brought Safalka to Kashi. And then in no time it started to rain. And the whole place became filled with water. I mean the all water bodies became filled and the vegetation started uh, to become lush again and started to grow grains and fruits and the whole place became very very auspicious, very very opulent. So the king became so in, so indebted, he felt so indebted to Shafalka that he offered his daughter Gandhini and so that is how Safalka got married to Gandhini and Safalka and Gandhini's son was Akrura.
so <clears throat> the minister then pointed out that recently there was a drought in kashi also but then i just got to know that again it, it started to rain there in a very timely manner so i suspect that akrura has gone to kashi banaras out of your fear out of fear okay so then krishna sent a message uh, he said immediately send a message to wherever akrura is that he should come back and there is nothing to worry about so then uh, upon receiving that news or assurance uh, kashi uh, from uh, akrura came back from kashi so that is how and he gave the shamantaka jewel to krishna then krishna gave that shamantaka jewel to satbhama telling her don't become unnecessarily envious what's the wrong what's the problem with you <laughs> and i know women have that nature <laughs> but uh, try to uh, be properly thoughtful and composed <clears throat> what did krishna do why did krishna went to hastinapur uh, let us get into that one day when krishna was in the assembly sudharma assembly this sudharma assembly was brought by indra when krishna transported his capital to dwarka then uh, indra brought sudharma uh, assembly a beautiful uh, assembly hall and established it in dwarka for krishna's pleasure where ugrasen ruled as the king <coughs> so one day krishna was in the assembly then he then all of a sudden one came one messenger came and he declared that he is coming uh, on behalf of 20800 kings that have been imprisoned by jarasandha and he read out their appeal to krishna that you have come to annihilate the demons and this demon has kept us in prison and he is waiting for a few more uh, kings to catch and then he would offer us in sacrifice to kal bhairav one form of lord mahadev and 
there is no one in this world who can actually defeat Jarasandha and rescue us. But please rescue us and save us from this miserable condition because you are the only one who can do that. So <clears throat> Krishna heard about that and he seriously started to consider that this Jarasandha is really a, a problem and he has uh, he is thinking of offering uh, these kings in sacrifice, not a valley, like people, uh, some those who offer a human sacrifice, they just offer one or two. But he is, he is actually going to offer, already he has 20,800 kings in his, in, his, in his prison and he is going to sacrifice with few more to reach the actual number. So at that time Narad Muni came and Narad Muni brought a message to Krishna that Yudhishthir Maharaj is planning to conduct a Rajasriya Yajna, Rajasriya sacrifice. And he wanted Krishna's help in that. So at that time Krishna called Uddhav and told Uddhav, Uddhav, from one side the kings are actually requesting me to rescue them and Yudhishthir Maharaj is asking me to go there to help him in his uh, Rajasriya Jagya, so tell me what I should do. Then Uddhav said, you can actually catch two birds with one net. <laughs> you can, meaning, <laughs> you can serve two purposes with one act. The general English expression is, uh, to kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> so since we are non-violent and we don't want to kill kill birds, uh, we don't like to use that expression. Uh, and so <clears throat> Krishna, uh, the Uddhav told Krishna that the way what to do is, Yudhishthir Maharaj wants to perform Rajasuya Jagga. In order to perform Rajasuya Jagga, he is going to bring, he has to bring all the kings of this world under his uh, control. He has to subdue all the kings. But Jarasandha, he is not going to agree. And Jarasandha is extremely powerful. So Jarasandha will be the biggest impediment in Yudhishthir Maharaj's performing the Rajasya Jagya. So the best thing to do is kill Jarasandha for the sake of Yudhishthir Maharaj successfully performing the Rajasya Jagya. Krishna liked the idea and he <clears throat> and he <clears throat> went to Hastinapur, no, I'm sorry, uh, Indraprastha, the Pandavas capital, and 
So he had Yudhishthira Maharaj told him what he wanted to do, and Krishna gave his approval. But at the same time, he also told that, look, we have to kill Jarasandha. So Yudhishthira Maharaj asked, how to do that? Uh, how to kill Jarasandha? He is extremely powerful. And Krishna said, in a direct battle, you won't be able to defeat Jarasandha. The only way you can defeat Jarasandha is in a one-to-one -one fight. And uh, Bhima is the one who can equal him in that fight. So, now Yudhishthira Maharaj asked how to convince him to get into a one-to-one -one fight. Then Krishna said, yes, we have to make a plan about that. Jarasandha is very generous. Now this is also another paradoxical aspect. In a way, he is a demon, uh, but he is so, uh, so virtuous, so pious. He uh, gives in charity to a Brahman whatever he wants. Whatever a Brahman would want, Jarasandha would give him. And so uh, Krishna said, when a, so let us go to Jarasandha as Brahmanas, disguised as Brahmanas, and ask Jarasandha for something in charity. So Jarasandha will agree to give us the, whatever we wanted and at that time we will ask him to give a, give Bhima a fight. So this is how we are going to get Jarasandha to come to a one-to-one -one battle. So <coughs> due to Krishna's advice Bhima, Arjun and Krishna, three of them in disguise of Bra as Brahmanas, approached Jarasandha. They didn't enter into the palace from the front gate. They came from the back, back gate, back door. And so they came to Jarasandha and told Jarasandha <coughs> that they are Brahmanas. And uh, so Jarasandha asked them. Uh, he greeted them and he asked. Uh, what he could do for them. So Krishna said, I would like to speak to you in private. So Jarasandha said, I will be in the assembly till 12 o'clock and so after that I will meet you. So at 12 o'clock Jarasandha and Krishna, Arjun and Bhima met. So Krishna said that this brother of mine is pointing to Bhima is very fond of wrestling and he heard and he said that this brother is undefeated in wrestling nobody could defeat him but he has been told he heard that you are an a champion wrestler 
So he has a desire. He wants to fight with you. So please give that to us in charity. Then Jarasandha said, Although you are dressed like Brahmanas, you are not Brahmanas. Because from your physical shape, from seeing the marks in your body of carrying the bows, I could make out that you are not Brahmanas, you are Kshatriyas. And also, since you came from the back door, I could make out that you are not my friends, you are my enemies. Because friends always come from the front gate. It's only the enemies who enter through the back gate, back door. Tell me who you are. So, then Krishna revealed his identity. I am Krishna, this is Arjun, this is Bhim, uh, the two of the five Pandavas. And yes, we didn't come here to come here as a friend. We have come here as your enemy. We have come here to kill you. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> you can, uh, since you agreed, like we are also offering you the option to select who you want to fight with. You can select any one of us to fight with. Jarasandha said, fine, but Krishna, I won't fight with you. You're a coward. You ran away from the battlefield. So to fight with you will be a disgrace. Arjun, in, he may be a great archer, but in physical strength, he is no match. So I'll select Bhima. So they went out of the city and they started to fight. For 21 days continuously they fought. No one could actually defeat the other. And then Krishna saw that Bhima's strength actually is waning, weakening. Bhima is becoming weak. So then Krishna took a blade of grass and he split it into half in the middle. Bhima got the message. So he immediately pressed Jarasandha's leg with one foot, with his feet and with his other hand with his hands he held the other, the other other leg and he pulled. And as a result, Jarasandha's body split into half. And that is how Jarasandha was killed. Jarasandha has a history also. <coughs> Jarasandha's father, the king of Magad, did not have a son. So he was very, very unhappy. 
so he uh, uh, he would approach all the saintly people and beg for their mercy so that he could get a son so once he got to know that at the outskirt of the city a great saintly personality has come so Jarasandha upon hearing I'm sorry Jarasandha's father uh, uh, upon hearing that he went to see that uh, saintly person and he served him very nicely and then the saintly person asked him what do you want if you want something tell me and <clears throat> so he told him that he doesn't have any son and he was begging him if he would bless him to have a son because the blessings of a saintly personality is very very effective and powerful so then the brahmana said fine he'll get a son and at that time one mango just fell on his lap so he gave that mango to the king said give it to your king and your, your give it to your queen and your queen will have a child now Jarasandha's father had two wives and he was equally disposed to them both of them so he couldn't figure out which queen to give it to this fruit so he decided to cut the fruit in half and give one half to each in due course of time the queens gave birth to two children I mean gave birth to two bodies that were half seeing the disgusting sight the king said throw away that that half complete flesh and so that body was body of the newborn child was discarded so at night one Rakshashi called Jara came across that uh, discarded baby body and she was very happy to see some tender little flesh for her dinner so <clears throat> she started to she picked up and just she happened to put this bring these two halves together and as soon as he did that the baby came to life started to cry so Jara was quite surprised and he knew that the king didn't have a son so he wanted to give it to the king so he went to the palace of the king and gave this newborn child to the king the king could immediately recognize that it was actually the the two halves that his two wives gave birth to and because Jara brought them to life he was given the name Jara Sandha 
that one who who had been combined by jara so this is how <coughs> jara sandu was born and because he was born in this way the only way he could die was if his body was split into half in from the middle so that's why krishna told bhim to kill him in that way because that's the only way he could be killed and so krishna just killed jarasandha and after killing jarasandha krishna rescued all those kings 20800 kings in captivity so krishna released them there was although they were kings and princesses princes but they were because of such long captivity they all were emaciated and their dresses were just worn out rugs uh worn out rags and uh, so they didn't have proper food to eat for a long time so krishna uh, then got them to uh, bathe and get dressed to get dressed properly eat food and then he uh, send them back to their respective kingdoms as the kings so that is how uh, jarasandha was killed and it was possible for yudhishthir maharaj to perform the jagya <coughs> so i'm feeling a little tired what should i do <laughs> we can maybe what we can do at this point we can invite some questions maybe that will be that will help me to wake up <laughs> and then i can uh, continue after that any question yes i shall roll the note for your next class you want you want to share like like hearing the krishna katha it removes all all honor thrust from our heart Okay okay first let me answer the first question <laughs> Okay in order to answer this question I'll tell you a story In this place there was a very famous king His name was King Vikramaditya How many of you heard his name Good So <laughs> Vikramaditya had nine gems nine jewels in his court called navaratna nav means nine ratna means gems jewels 
So one day, one goldsmith came to king's palace, king's escort, and he produced three gold figures and said that the king, can you please determine the price of these three uh, three uh, figures. The king saw they, the weight wise is the same amount of gold. Uh, it looks the same, perfect. Everything is absolutely ditto. The king asked the ministers, can you please check also? And they also said, they look exactly the same, the same weight, so the price should be the same. So, then the king still had some doubt. If it's all the same, and then why this man would come to me and ask? So, the king asked Kalidash. So, Kalidash can you determine the price, the difference of these three models and accordingly uh, value the, evaluate them? And Kai says, okay. So he took a copper wire and he uh, passed the wire through one ear of that figurine and it came out through the other one. So he said, this one, just about thousand rupees. Then he passed the other one, the quiet wire through the other ear, and this one went through one ear, but got, it didn't go through. So this one, way, this one costs about ten thousand. And the third one, the wire went from the ear to the heart. And said, this one is priceless. No uh, amount of money can determine the price. So the king asked, why is that? He said, the first one is a person who hears from one ear and it goes out from the other. So he doesn't have any value. The other one who hears and keeps it within him, he is uh, more valuable. And the third one, uh, his thing goes, uh, his, from his ears, to the heart. And that kind of person is priceless. So although I get, gave the answer through this story, do you get the meaning? Do you get the message? You, you said you are hearing but nothing is happening. So, when you hear nothing happens, then you have to understand it goes through one ear and comes out through the other ear. Huh? 
But those who hears it and keeps it there, uh, he is, he will get some effect. And but the one who takes whatever he hears to his heart, uh, he will get the maximum benefit. So now you decide in which category you fall. <laughs> okay? It remains in your heart, then you are priceless. <laughs> when it goes to, it goes to your heart, your heart will tell you how to act. <laughs> yes, give him the mic. Yeah, go ahead, he's working. With them, it is all uh, for Krishna's pleasure. That's why it's transcendental. Through this, you know, that uh, conflict among themselves uh, is actually to kind of display who loves Krishna more. Mm. So it's kind of a... Because it's all for Krishna's pleasure, that's why it's transcendental. Now when you become an envious... You have to you have to consider whether it's for Krishna's pleasure or for your pleasure. If it is for your pleasure, then it's mundane. If it's for Krishna's pleasure, then it's transcendental. Okay. <laughs> okay. There are some questions from the internet. Okay. There are some questions from here. Anyway. Uh, uh, this is from Srimati Radhika, Hyderabad. Dear Guru Maharaj, uh, please accept my humble obeisances at your divine merciful lotus feet. All glories to your holiness, Guru Maharaj. Question, is reading equal to hearing? How to balance the two in a busy schedule? Uh, yeah, reading also is hearing. But it depends how intensely that is done. Like just as, you know, hearing also uh, can, as I mentioned, can enter from through one ear and come out from the other. Similarly, the reading also can be just casual reading, not really 
getting into it, focusing into it. So that reading uh, is not proper hearing. But when you are completely absorbed in that reading, then you are actually hearing the author. So uh, reading in that way is hearing. Next question is from Arti. <coughs> Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisance that your Lord is sweet. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Dear Maharaj, question one. There are few beliefs, myths about dreams, such as if you see clock, your death is near. <laughs> If you see your close friend or relative dying, they will live longer. <laughs> what do these kind of dreams signify? Can you please share your thoughts on this matter? Okay, the point is what I mentioned, that when your mind becomes obsessed with Krishna, then you won't have this kind of dreams. You'll simply dream about Krishna. Uh, and in your dream you'll associate with Krishna. So better to uh, cultivate that. And there may be some, some, I don't know how correct they are. Well, at least so far I haven't seen a clock in my dream. <laughs> Uh, next question, when Krishna was there in Dwarka, why would the nature function uh, properly and cause drought? F uh, function improperly rather and cause drought. Could Krishna himself not solve the problem? As I said, like the Lord performs his pastimes in this way just to, you know, make some points and like uh, like as I was saying yesterday like devotees go through difficulties but those difficulties are actually to enhance their dependence upon Krishna mm. and by just performing one act often Krishna performs many serves many purposes like one hand, you know, this kind of drought or this kind of difficulties uh, can uh, increase their dependence upon Krishna. Here also, this kind of difficulty enabled also to see the wonderful, uh, uh, pious nature of Akrura, things like that, you know, like unless it was painted in that way, unless it was not acted in, enacted in that way, then these couldn't have happened, right? Unless Arjuna and Pandavas were not put through that difficulty, if Duryodhana treated them nicely, battle of Kurukshetra wouldn't have taken place. So that is how Krishna always makes these arrangements, you know, apparently difficult situations, to ultimately make some appropriate demonstration of his mercy. Hmm. <clears throat> Alakaradhika Devi Dasi 
Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Dandavat Pranam. This is referring to yesterday's class where you had a talk with a scientist. You had asked him if, you were, if it was possible to manufacture a molecule of methane gas or sugar in a laboratory. What did the scientist have to say in response to that? He didn't have to say, he couldn't say anything. He had to admit. And my point was established. I mean, what I was telling him, you know. I don't know up to what extent he would accept it, but at least he was, he did not protest. And I think he, he actually told me one thing. He did tell me one thing. He said, methane gas they have produced in the laboratory. But it would be so expensive. <laughs> there was the use. But I also don't know whether they have, you know, so far I haven't heard any claim that they have created methane gas in the laboratory. They can create methane gas, you know how they can create. They can break a more complex structure and come to methane as a byproduct. But not combining carbon with hydrogen and make methane. Right? And that is the point that I was trying to make. Like, you are claiming that you will create life. Not only life, you will create human beings. Right? And the point is you can't even create a grain of rice. You can't even make, combine uh, carbon and hydrogen and make a molecule of methane gas. And you are claiming you will create life. You can't create something that is the byproduct of living things. What to speak of creating life. Got my point? At least you got my point. <laughs> and you are a better scientist than them. <laughs> Hare Krishna Maharaj, this is from uh, by Shravaniya Devidasi. Jajati had cursed that no jadu can become king. Who Lord Krishna uh, was Lord Krishna coronated as king of Dwarka, and why not Balaram? as he was elder. No, neither Krishna nor Balaram became coronated. Right? They were the prince. They were not the kings. Right? Ugrasen was the king of Dwarka. Kirti Kumari, as usual, a long question. <laughs> Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, etc. If I understood correctly, the subtle body is traveling with the soul. The subtle body has to become transformed in simple words into a Krishna conscious subtle body. So when that has happened fully, does that mean that the covering of the soul is removed? And if so, and one is still inside his gross body, what then is the effect of this on the gross body. Does this also transform? Very nice question, as usual, of Kirti Radhika, Akirti Kumari. 
So, very nice question. So the question is that as you, as I mentioned, that the subtle body goes with the soul after death. Now, it is actually, to be more precise, the subtle body carries the soul to the next body. Okay? And as you said, that when the subtle body is, uh, you mentioned here, that transformed uh, into Krishna conscious subtle body. You know what is Krishna conscious subtle body? Krishna conscious subtle body means no subtle body. <laughs> Krishna conscious subtle body means spirit, pure spiritual soul, pure spirit soul. You get it? Okay, now like, let me explain. Manmanabhava, when you constantly think of Krishna, is that mind then material or spiritual? So, see, the mind has become spiritualized. Well, you can say the mind, you know, mind means consciousness flow, the flow of consciousness. Hmm. That is spiritual. Spiritual flow. No mind. Mind has been dissolved. You got my point? By constant thinking of Krishna, mind is now not there anymore. Material mind is not there anymore. Mind is dissolved. Then, uh, intelligence, dadami buddhi jogam tam. Yes, intelligence is spiritualized. And in this way, when one becomes a servant of Krishna, what happens to his false ego? Jivar Sarupai, Krishna Nityadas. So where is the mind, intelligence and false ego? They are gone. And what is there? Pure spirit soul. Right? And as you asked, what happens to that subtle body after one dies? It is actually the, the pure spirit soul in an apparently gross material body. The gross body remains the same, but inside there, there is this pure spirit soul. And that state is called Swarup Siddhi. Swarup Siddhi. The perfection of one's spiritual identity. Swarup Siddhi. It is also called the state of Jivan Mukta state. Jivan Mukta. Although he is alive, but he is, although he is here, he is liberated. And then when time comes for him to leave the gross body, then the pure spirit soul goes back to the spiritual sky. So this is how uh, the spiritual perfection is achieved by practicing Krishna consciousness. And the root of it is Manmanabhava. Think of me with your mind. Okay. <clears throat>
then there's another question. Soul is part and parcel of Krishna, meant to serve the whole Krishna. Yet, when the soul comes across Krishna's inferior material energy, it immediately wants to control her. How can the tendency to control and the inherent quality of the soul to serve Krishna coexist? Good question again. Soul is part and parcel of Krishna, meant to serve the whole Krishna. Yet when the soul comes across Krishna's inferior energy, there lies uh, the point. When does a soul comes across Krishna's inferior energy? When? Well, yes, or uh, as it has been described by Jagadananda Pandit, one of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates in a book called Premo Vivarta. He is saying, Krishna Bohir Mukhoya Bhogoban Chakari Nikatastha Maya Tare Japutiya Dhare. Krishna Bohir Mukh. Mukh means faith. Bohir Mukh means away from Krishna. When one turns his face away from Krishna, then what is next to Krishna? Krishna's external energy. When you turn your face away from Krishna, what are you going to see? Krishna's external energy. That is Maya. Maya immediately grabs it. Japoti Adhari. So, that is the thing, like when one turns his face away from Krishna, he is immediately falls into Maya. And Maya means forgetfulness of Krishna. Maya means being affected by Krishna's illusory energy. Illusory energy means it makes you forget your actual identity. As you are saying, living entity is a servant of Krishna. Yes, but now he is not anymore. He is not a servant of Krishna anymore. He has become the Lord and Master of the whole universe. Right? So that is what happens. The moment a living entity turns his face away from Krishna. <coughs> Bhakta Das Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Thank you very much for such a wonderful class. My question is that, as you said, by by absorbing our mind in Krishna Katha, our subtle body is spiritualized. So, do the subtle body ends at the time of death or it is spiritualized? When someone goes back to Godhead, your servant. Just the answer that I gave, did, it, did you get the answer to your question? Huh? So that is the answer. Huh? Subtle body, through the practice of Krishna consciousness, subtle body dissolves. Subtle body never dies. Subtle body is transformed. Huh? Right? Ishwarya or is it Aisharya? Ishwarya. Okay. A is missing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ishwarya. Okay. 
glorified. Uh, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Dandavat Pranam, all glories to Guru Maharaj and all glories to Jagat Guru Srila Prabhupada. The question, since we are discussing about dreams, just that in my case, when I hear about Krishna Katha or engage myself in Krishna's service, I do not get any dreams. What does this say about the state of the subtle body of such a person, of such a person? Very good. That means when you are hearing Krishna Katha, your mind is not at all interested in material things. And that's why no material dreams. You know, dreaming means there is no absorption of the subtle body in the material direction. Very good. <coughs> this one is uh, Samuel Shamal Kishore Das from California. Uh, oh, Shamal is in California now. Uh, I'm happy to know that you are back in your California now, Shamal. And the question is, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. You described how Sanskrit dramas always end on a positive note. And on the other hand, the medieval European dramas have a sad ending. But Lord's pastimes as Ram or Krishna seem to be ending on a sad, unhappy note, at least from a material perspective. Lord Rama had to banish Mother Sita and later, before leaving the planet, even his loyal brother Lakshman. In Lord Krishna's pastime, just before he left, the Jadus killed each other barbarically and then he left and Kali Yuga began. How do we understand these pastimes? Are they being pastimes of Lord himself, different from conventional Sanskrit dramas, or there is a positive ending which I might be overlooking? Very good question, Shamal Kishore. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, you see, the Lord's pastimes are the Lord's pastimes. Like, he comes here and then he leaves. And you can say that his departure is the sad aspect. But you know, he has to depart at some point. Now, the way he departs has two different types of effects on the minds of his, on the people in general. The non-devotees become excited and say, the envious people, they say, oh see, now uh, he is dead. But the way he withdraws his pastimes, the devotees get enlivened. See how wonderful the Lord is. He withdrew his pastimes in this way. For example, apparently Krishna's pastimes ended by being shot by a, a ordinary hunter. Now Krishna in the battlefield was struck by the bows and by the arrows of valiant warriors like Bhishma, Karna, Drona. Not one 
hundreds of arrows struck Krishna, but nothing happened to Krishna. Now that Krishna left his body when a hunter hit his uh, foot. Uh, did you hear anybody dying because there, there was a pinprick in his foot? <laughs> so this hunter's arrow was like a pinprick to Krishna, but Krishna withdrew his pastimes in that way. Now how the devotees will see? See the Lord left in such a way. Well, the non-devotees will say, see, Krishna got uh, killed by a hunter. That's one aspect, but it's not that, the only aspect, you know. The demigods and other denizens of upper planetary systems, how did they see Krishna leaving the planet? Krishna is going back to the spiritual sky. So, uh, there is no question of Krishna dying. Uh, we have to understand who Krishna is. But generally in a drama, the point I was making, in a Sanskrit drama, they would not show it as an end like that. Like they may depict Sita's banishment, but that they won't end it there. They won't end in the banishment. They will end at Rita's return with love and kush. That's the point. Radha Pyari Dasi. <laughs> Why Akrura, being a devotee, took part in the plan of killing Satrajit? No, Akrura did not take part. Akrura actually advised Shatadhana, don't do that, because if you do that, then Krishna will kill you. So, uh, he did not take part. When he went to kill him, he went there alone. No, he, he did not you see, Satadhanda left the jewel with him and ran away. So he couldn't just throw the jewel in the dustbin. <laughs> so he kept it. But then he considered that if Krishna finds out that I have the jewel, then he would think that I was, a, I was an accomplice to that drama. <laughs> and he make, And that's why he kind of ran away. In this way, these are the uh, pastimes of the Lord. The next question is, in Vrindavan pastimes, Radharani is more important than Chandravali. But it looks like in Dwarka pastimes, Rukmini is more important than Satubhama. Is it so? Yes. Yeah, because there are two different situations. In Vrindavan, emotion prevails, and in Dwarka, intelligence prevails, right? So that's why uh, emotion, say in Vrindavan, emotion is, uh, emotion is pre prevalent, and intelligence is in the background. Whereas in Dwarka, intelligence is prevalent, 
and emotion is in the background. <laughs> right? Because it's a royal palace, you know, like uh, you have to kind of deal with so many individuals, so many opponents, so many rivals. <laughs> Nimai Sundar. Okay. Hare Krishna Nanda Pranam Guru Maharaj, all glories to His Divine Grace Srila Prabhupada. Krishna Katha is all auspicious and chances and cleanses the heart completely and as a result purifies the heart. But a person <coughs> but a person who is not humble and also slave of his senses for him it is just like feeding milk to a snake and by doing it he becomes more and more envious and degraded. So what else is more required along with Krishna Katha? Good question. So what is needed is Krishna, you know, as you are know, pointing out that Krishna Katha is the means but it's not everything. There is some other factors are needed. And that is Trinadopi Sunichena, Tarariva Shahishnuna, Amanina Manadena, Kirtaniya Sadahari. So, the heart has to become Nirmatsar, free from envy. Free from envy means uh, lust, greed, illusion, pride have already been removed. Uh, so that means the heart now has become completely pure, completely cleansed. So in that pure heart only Vedang Bhastava Matra one can understand the Absolute Truth, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. You get the point? Uh, that is the prerequisite. Yes, Krishna Gautha will do it, but the field has to be prepared as well. And then next is, who is the proper recipient to hear Krishna Katha and how to cultivate those qualities which makes you enable to appreciate it in true sense. Again, it is uh, the uh, the proper recipient is one who has uh, uh, whose heart has become cleansed. And the preliminary requirement for that is Tadbiddhi uh, Pranipatena Pariprasnena Srivaya. And then only that Upadekshanti, the Krishna Katha that is coming in the form of Upadekshanti is going to be effective. Jagajivan 
how a person should hear or what qualification person should have. So hearing goes into heart. I just answer the question, you got it. Uh, this one, no name. My humble obeisance and my question is, Okay, that's the end, huh? Guru Maharaj had mentioned in the previous class that scientists cannot even create a grain. I was wondering, now due to present scientific innovations, test tube babies are being created. So, is that not creating a human being? Please explain. Okay, whose question it is? Huh? Oh, that's your question. You have a beautiful handwriting. That's your question? Very good. Okay, very nice question. You know how taste you babies are born, made? Uh, how? The, the babies are actually taken from the father and mother and put in the test tube. Right? It is something like, an example can be given. Do you know the process of grafting of a tree? You see, you cut a branch of the tree and put it on the ground and the tree becomes alive. Now does it mean the person who did it, he created the tree? Did he create the tree? He took the branch from the tree and he planted it in the ground and the tree became, that branch became a tree. Similarly, test tube baby is like that. The baby is taken from the mother and put in the test tube. Right? The baby actually came from the mother, not from the test tube. Okay, you see the difference? You have a question also? <laughs> the little one? Kamala Rai? Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Dhanavat Pranam, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you so much for this arrangement in the form of retreat. My question is, ninth offenses instruct faithless person is making offense. Instruct, ninth offense is to instruct a faithless person is making offense. Then how can we preach country like in Korea they know nothing about Krishna. Is it cause an offense? So, as I also mentioned, that for the sake of preaching, we, we dare to make that offense. For the sake of preaching. Okay? <laughs> Not a word Krishna does. Okay. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Dandavat Pranam. Yesterday you mentioned that Dibbo Gyan Ride Prakashita and Cheto Darpana Marjanam.
but we can uh, but uh, but we have to apply our mind when we study proper books listen to your lectures when we mention any situation we remember a verse from uh, gita or bhagavatam due to application of our mind so how it is said that spiritual knowledge is there in the heart not in the mind okay so this is the practicing stage that when the knowledge is acquired but ultimately the knowledge will be revealed in the heart ultimately it's something like before you go to america right you may read your in your geography about america uh, you may see america in the globe or in your atlas uh, you may hear about america you may see tvs about american movies uh, but going to america isn't it going to be a completely different experience right so this is like that reading about krishna and spiritual world and etc is like you know experiencing uh, in a kind of in a artificial way but when you go there then it is a practical experience reading the scriptures is important yes uh, just like before going to america you read about america uh, and then you develop your interest about america then you say i must go to america no matter how much it costs <laughs> or whatever it takes right ram govinda das hari krishna guru maharaj please come here as you described that after preaching devotional service after practicing devotional service continuously one gets situated in a swarup siddhi platform my question is that how can one recognize that now he has reached the swarup siddhi platform can others also detect such devotees advancement yeah the others can detect but the devotee himself he doesn't try to detect uh, he thinks that i am uh, totally insignificant i am more humble than a blade of grass i am more fallen than a the most fallen person that's how he says the more one makes spiritual advancement more humble he feels okay bring it so last question (laughs) 
This is from Vrindavan Leela Dasi from Los Angeles. Midnight there. Thank you Vrindavan Leela for staying up so late. Uh, my obeisances to you Maharaj. Question, I heard a devotee say that if we worship the deities of Rukmini Dwarkadesh, we'd go to Dwarka after leaving the body and not Golok Vrindavan. Is that true? Thank you, Maharaj, your servant, Vrindavan Leonardo. <coughs> no, it's not true, Vrindavan Leela. Uh, actually, Prabhupada pointed out that the worshipping of Radha Krishna in the temple is in Vaikuntha mode. Uh, so it's a worship of Lakshmi Narayan. So, Rukmini Dwadaskadhi's worship is done in the in the mood of uh, Vaikuntha, mood of opulence and grandeur, recognizing him as the supreme personality of Godhead. But when you practice, the way we are practicing our devotional service uh, is to develop our love for Krishna. Radha Krishna. And when you develop that loving relationship with Radha Krishna, then uh, you will see Rukmini Dwarkadish as Radha Krishna, not as Rukmini Dwarkadish. And that way you will be transported to Vrindavan. Just as when you are worshipping the deities in the temple, Radha Krishna, then you are actually worshipping them as Lakshmi Narayan. So just as Lakshmi Narayan, due to your pure devotion, due to your spontaneous love for Krishna, is transformed into Radha Krishna, you will be uh, elevated to, you will be transported to Goluk Vrindavan. So those who say things like that, they have, uh, they do not have proper understanding. They have half-baked understanding. Thank you all very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. <coughs> Gaur Premanande Hari Hari.